about to enter the Double Dragon Podcast with Shane Greenwood, owner of Double Dragon Gym in the Sutherland Shire, Trent Lawrence, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, and active pro Muay Thai fighter, Hugh O'Donnell. Are you ready? Fight! Fight! Okay, welcome back to End of the Double Dragon Podcast, episode 65. It's your boy Shane Greenwood coming at you from live from Double Dragon Gym. All right, and with me, I have Trenton Lawrence. Hello. And Hugh O'Donnell. Hey. All right. And it's nice and toasty actually in here now. Is it? It's pretty cool. It's like, <laughs> it still like all condescending body heat of yeah, everyone. It's still a lot of body heat. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't been I was commenting how moist it is in here at the mm-hmm. moment and not in a good way. <laughs> Don't use that word again. <laughs> I can't be losing this for like 30 seconds into the show. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not this one. <laughs> Delete. Let's start over. Yeah. All right. So let's just go into our WTF section. What the fight? Um, so this is on the news. So, like, this week in particular uh, seems to be the retirement week. Everyone's like hanging up the gloves. So, we had uh, on the UFC card that was in Sweden. It was, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> um, bigger name, the biggest one of the bigger names on there, Alexander Gustafsson, after his loss to uh, Anthony Lionheart Smith, retired. Uh, Nick Hine retired on the same card, and Jimmy Manuel. All of them took an L on that night, and I think all by stoppage of some sort or submission. Yes. Yeah, I yeah, remember like stoppage, yeah. Jimmy Manuel got his head kicked off into like you know the back row of the yeah, auditorium. Yeah, the shadow realm. Uh, Nick Hine, um, you got Kato as well. I think it was. Yeah. And um, Gustafsson, he got, uh, I think, rear naked choked yeah. by like um, <clears throat> Anthony Smith. Uh, also as well, uh, uh, Muhammad King Mo Lawal, who was a Bellator fighter yep. and also Ryzen fighter as well at times. Yep. So, like um, he's finally hanging up the gloves as well. And he was coming off a bit of a, like a, a losing streak that had a lot of KOs about it also. And then it's probably best for him as like you yeah, hanging up too. But, but that's always the question. For like all these fighters, how long are they going to hang it up for? It's like, if it, are they going to do a UI favor and just come back again? Come back at 40. <laughs> I guess it's different circumstance though. Like, UI favor went out. Like, he wasn't on a terrible run. Mm. He just wasn't on like a really good run and went out on a win as well. Mm. But it's like, all these guys kind of like, they elected to retire, but they kind of got pushed out the door too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And then like, Alexander Gustafsson, like, you know, I, I don't know in this fight. Like, well, t- uh, he, he kind of just seemed, I don't know, didn't put much output in the first couple rounds yeah. from there. Then he had a dig in the third round. And then in the fourth round, I don't know, just like uh, Anthony Smith just took him down. And was just, that was just the end of the story from there. And I don't know if it was just more so like he just goes, like he, well, like he said afterwards, he goes, I just don't have it anymore. Yeah. And like, you know, he was, and he was just saying it before the fight as well. He goes, like, he was like, actually, if I lose this one, I'm out. It's yeah. like it's like it's like mm, your foot's already out the door. Then yeah, <laughs> so I guess like it, it's how you take that. Is like he kind of was saying like I shouldn't lose this. I shouldn't lose to uh, Anthony Smith like skill wise. Mm. Um, so if I lose this one, I'm done. But I guess like like a lot of people say that like if I lose this fight, I should retire. Like kind of like a disdainful thing. But I guess he just meant it. Like yeah. I'll just see how I go in this fight. Mm-hmm. If I lose it, I retire. <laughs> is Anthony Smith better than we think he is? <laughs> Oh, possible. <laughs> he's, I think he's pretty good. He's a legend killer. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, you know, took care of Gustafsson, 
Shogun. Yeah. From there, um, Rashad Evans. <laughs> His grappling's definitely improved. Mm. He, he didn't really like glove on Jones, but like he hung in there. Like mm. yeah, and like you know, even though he could have like he could have took like he took could have took the, the DQ. Yeah. He just goes, no, nah, fuck it, we'll keep going. Yeah. And he's like, why? You don't have to. Like yeah. you, you don't have to like you know basically just get beat up on you. Yeah. <laughs> Could have been the second man to defeat John Jones by disqualification. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it would have been the two. That's the only way you're going to beat John Jones, other than him beating himself. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, also from here. So, like, uh, big boxing news. So we had. Uh, uh, so there was Anthony jo- uh, Joshua, one of the biggest names in boxing, going around. Um, hold a, a lot of belts. If I remember off the top of my head, I think it was WBO, WBF, W uh, IBO, and. IBF? I already say IBF. All yeah. the ones except WBC. Yeah, had yeah. the full belts from that one. And they're all up in the line against uh, a five-week short notice replacement of Andy Ruiz. Uh, I, read, I wrote up a piece on this and I'll put it on the blog soon from there, going into like more so like, you know, how Anthony Ruiz kind of like took the match from it. But like, yeah, it was an upset win by Andy Ruiz. And there, um, it started with a knockdown by Anthony Joshua in the third round, a clean like, you know, he has this. He has this one killer combo. Um, AJ, he's got this uppercut hook combination, yeah. which is killer. But everyone knows he throws it. Yeah. And so he threw that, and then like afterwards, like Ruiz, like he started to, and then same thing. He went for the uppercut, missed it, and Ruiz just goes, "Yep, left hook time." Just battered him with a couple of left hooks to get a first knockdown, and then continue on again. And got a second knockdown in the third round. So you're looking at one knockdown to for AJ against like two knockdowns for Ruiz. <clears throat> from there and then the fight kind of lowered out a bit it was just Anthony Joshua just kind of surviving getting yeah. his wits about him a little bit until the 7th round hit and then again left hook started the job but it was then the left hook was setting up into the clubbing right hand off of that and Andy Reese got two knockdowns again and really like when you saw like Anthony Joshua getting up for the that 4th time off the canvas from there he just kind of backed himself in the corner when the, the rest goes you, go, you want to go against the four goes yes and he backs himself in the corner and then we just, everyone just kind of goes yeah doesn't want anymore. Yeah, yeah. Done. And he won. And like it was, it was a, I think it was a twenty to one underdog, Andy Ruiz coming into this fight. And if you if you look at these two people, like, they couldn't be the opposite. Like Anthony Joshua, such a beautiful man. He's like <laughs> six foot eight, hulking like a two like two forty pounds ripped. Yeah, shredded. And then you got like Andy Ruiz, six two, two hundred sixty pounds. Very sloppy. Hey. <laughs> I'm talking like titties and shit. Yeah. <laughs> it everywhere. He looks like Homer Simpson. And when you look at it, you go, yeah, it's like, you know, this should be like, if, you, if you're just looking at just a, a book on its cover, from there you go, yeah, anywhere is going to get run over. Yeah. But you forget, like, if you look at the anywhere's records, he's like, he's like 33 wins, a lot of, like, a fair few knockouts. And then, had, the only loss was against uh, Joshua Parker, uh, Joseph Parker, yeah. which, like, you could argue he didn't lose that, yeah. really, like, on that fight. And like, um, just using like what Jack Sess says, he's a fatty with fast hands. Yeah, <laughs> really fucking fast hands. And like, probably like deceptively fast hands. Yeah. Like, and just like the way he throws in volume, so like you'd see the two like early in the fight, like uh, Joshua kind of holds for a break in the clinch, and then you just see like just a rabbit punch and like, da, 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 da. like he just works from <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. In high volume, and I think it's just that kind of like that he's not like the biggest hitter in the world, but he's got that kind of like deceptive compromise between speed and power. Mm-hmm. Like he's throwing in high volume, pop, 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 but they're all kind of like, not necessarily <coughs> knockout punches, but they're all stingers. Like mm. they're like, he hits harder than he should for his speed sort of thing. Like just mm-hmm. that little bit of like, 
It's got that little Power fat man weight. Speed, yeah. <laughs> it's just fast hands with gut behind it. Really. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's everything Roy Nelson wanted to be. Yeah. But like, yeah, the thing was like his fast hands were like, and what it's like, you know, he gets these people knocked down. It's like, because you just don't see it. You don't yeah. expect it. And he's got, like I said, a good time. Like he, he game plan for Joshua. Like, you know, Joshua's like, that's his main combination. The, the right uppercut and hook, and he's put down a lot of people. He even put down like uh, Vladimir Kos- uh, Klitschko with it yeah. from there. But if you time right, like when you throw an uppercut, you're you're open for that left hook. Yeah, it's just you just got to commit to it. And then like that's how Ruiz set up a lot of stuff is just off that left hook. Um, so like the news going into this though is a lot of like you know a lot of there's a lot of stuff going around the internet at the moment that AJ Anthony Joshua got knocked out in training prior. To this fight, like not too soon after, uh, before the fight, and they're saying that the fight shouldn't have gone ahead. They're even like, even sources like, and I don't even think these are like, you know, verified sources saying he had a panic attack just before he went out to the ring as well. Yeah, I don't think I've seen this from anywhere like reputable, but it seems to be knocking around for one reason or another. But like, if you look at like, you know, AJ's dad going after Eddie Hearn afterwards, and he's having some fucking serious words in his face, like they're, yeah. they're yelling at each other after the fight, you can tell something wasn't right in terms of like, that if the fight should have went ahead. Because, like, his dad was pretty fucking livid. And really, I mean, like, if you look at how Anthony Joshua's kind of biggest fights have gone, like, he gets here. Mm. And you can see yep. if they're bringing, like, Gun Russian. Some, that, that was who allegedly knocked him out. I can't remember that, the guy's name, but it's a guy Russian. that's, like, a, a 9-0 record that no one wants to fight. Yeah. I can see him getting forward in the mm. Like, just by the way he fights, basically. Yep. Yeah, definitely. From there. And um, but it's an interesting development. I think now that they're, they're talking about like because there's a rematch clause in there that the, the rematch is going to happen later in the year. But like even like it's like when I said in my blog piece, it's like I wouldn't even be surprised if AJ just called it quits. Just goes, yeah, let's see. Like you know, I've got enough boats and hose to keep me for the rest <laughs> of my life from there. And like and he, and he seemed like coming up to this fight didn't seem really like interested coming into the ring. Like even though, like how he's going in the first couple of rounds. Like, defensively, he wasn't really responsible. Like, he doesn't have the best defense ever. Like, yeah. his offense is his defense. But even more so, he's just like, going, fuck, I'm not even going to really put my backhand up. Yeah, he's sitting hang behind that, just like really loose. Just like flicking hands. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it was disdain or it was just like, mm. he's got one foot out the door or... It's like, I think it. It, was, it was just a couple of things yeah. once. Because, like, you know, the original opponent was meant to be uh, Jarrell, ba- Big Baby Miller. Yeah. And, like, that would have been a decent fight as well. Mm. And then, I think... They offered a fight to Luis Ortiz, but he turned it down because, like, he goes, "I'm going to fight Deontay Wilder soon." Yeah. From there, and then, and then Andy Ruiz stepped up. He just goes, "Goes, I just he only fought just recently." And he goes, "I didn't get really banged up too much. I'm, I'll go into a five-week camp straight away and did it." And yeah, it just was just a bad matchup. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see, like, if AJ like fully takes the rematch, if he changes anything at all. Um, doesn't seem like the type though. Like from there, it's like, you know, it's like didn't really change too much. Maybe he changed a little bit after the Klitschko fight where he did get bolted around a little bit. Yeah. But he's still the same person. Like, just got to bang a right hand from that one. Defensively, not that great. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see if the, like this L actually makes him change if he goes through with the rematch. Yeah. And what do you think kind of this match tells us about, like, because obviously we talked, it's probably been like two years now of like consistent, like, when the fuck are we going to do Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua mm-hmm. title? What do you think this result tells you about how Deontay versus Joshua would go? Oh, I think it'd be like after watching that, I think Deontay would annihilate him. Yeah, it's just like it's like I said, just the, the uh, just the defensive irresponsibility from 
Joshua. Like, obviously, maybe, like, as you know, it's like fighters rise to the occasion when it's a big name. Yeah. But, like, you see all these fights beforehand, it's the same. Yeah, he gets tagged. He gets tagged, and, like, Deontay Wilder is, like, got fucking, he's got God in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, we saw, like, you know, see him against Tyson Fury. I don't know how Tyson Fury got up from that, like, you know, that 12 round knockdown from there. But yeah, that like, was inhuman, but. Yeah. And, it, like, and, it, and the thing is, well, with Deontay Wilder, he, he cruised, he's had a cruiserweight. Weight as well. He's not at a heavyweight. Yeah. Like he's walking around like 90 something. Like, and then all these other guys from here, like 100 plus more from that. But he's just got this natural power that's just like, you just just can't be reckoned with. But like, yeah, it should be interesting. And I, I think that puts a, that puts a pin in all of the, that matches as well. Yeah. It's like, especially after that, it's like, yeah, you won't see that match for a couple of years if it's ever going to happen now. Yeah. I think what they're trying to gear towards now is like Deontay Wilder versus Lewis Ortiz soon. I think Tyson Fury's fighting this weekend. Against some German guy that's going to get belted. Yep. Yeah. And then you're going to get the rematch. 2020, um, <clears throat> Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury would watch. Yeah. Rematch. And I think, like, I've been seeing this week that, like, um, Deontay Wilder has been, like, kind of announcing the date for the rematch yeah. already. Like, <laughs> because I'm going to move through in advance of both of their fights. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like this weekend says anything. It's like, if it's going that way, like, somebody, somebody gets fucked up. Yeah. And it doesn't happen. Wasn't, wasn't the Ruiz Anthony fight scheduled for November, December or something? Weren't they pulling that from the call yeah, on the contract? Yeah, December, like, and in the UK. Yeah, yeah okay. He's going to say, left the US, I'm going back home. Joshua's out, right? But, like, yeah, that'd be amazing. But, like, same thing, like, with Deontay Wilder, but he's rematching Luis Ortiz, and Luis <coughs> Ortiz gave him a good run for his money. Well, even wobbled him. Yeah. It's also, like, and I had Lewis winning in that card until Deontay Wilder just fucking put him away though. yeah I thought he did that mm. yeah so interesting match okay cool um, and that should do WTF section and we're back in a second with a lot of breakdowns from the weekend with Hugh fighting in ACT and UFC 238 and the IBJJF Worlds see you soon this is the Enter the Double Dragon Podcast Okay, and welcome back. Um, so now we're in our, like our breakdown section and re- and also preview sections here. So over the weekend uh, was Chaos Muay Thai and the ACT run by Josh Tonner or the Tonners, Christy and Josh. Um, and we had two of our own fighters on that card. So we had Kai Wheaton Jones, and we also had the fire from the Shire, Hugh O'Donnell, myself. Yeah, and we'll also like we'll break down another fight, that was a good, really good fight really that was on fight. there. There's a couple, but we'll do this one in particular. Um, Charlie Bob versus Mark Timms. Um, it was a really cracker fight. It was a K1 fight as well. <clears throat> so going into this from there, so let's go into like Kai fighting. So Kai was fighting Josh Deesman from Moy Yu at a 63 kilo match, and this was Kai's first unpadded match as well. So yeah. um, Josh had a lot of experience, like you know. Fighting in like the the junior if minutes a bit, and he's had a couple amateur matches from there. And uh, Kai, like you know, he's had like six development days. He's been looking pretty good. He's versed out, uh, some adults as well. And yeah, he looked reasonably pretty good. And and like you know, Kai usually walks around sixty one. We're, we're working on getting his weight up from yeah. that one. Was it like didn't he like? Eat twenty nuggets before he weighed in. Yeah, he ate twenty nuggets on the way to weigh. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get his weight up a little bit. <laughs> he still came in a kilo under. Yeah, <laughs> gonna put some meat on that boy. Yeah. He'll get there eventually. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, from the match itself, like, what did you reckon? You, how did he look in the ring? I thought he looked good. I was pretty happy with it. Mm. Um, I was multitasking, so I was in the corner with him. Yeah. Um, yeah, he started very nicely, and like, um. Started to just kind of like, I think I could kind of see, he fired off a right middle kick early, 
And then there was just that little bit of apprehension before the fight. Like, how does it actually... Like, he's never thrown a kick without a shin guard before. And this is kind of the weird thing is, like, the way that it works. Because we were in... Here in New South Wales, we wear, like, headgear and elbow pads when we fight as amateurs still. So, no shin guards and little gloves and a proper hand wrap. But, like, um, yeah, you still wear headgear. Whereas, like, he went from fighting in, like, full Ifema padding in his development days. So, like, including chest plate, shin guards, the whole lot. To just gloves, like no elbow pads or anything. So it's like just that bizarre, tra- tra- um, yeah, like um, transition. But kind of like through a right middle kick, I went, okay, it doesn't hurt that bad. He sent my shin flying into someone else. And then he, he played a good like middle kick game, just like landed it a couple times, had the timing well on it, um, was getting it over the top of the arms, not getting his kicks checked or anything. So landed a few good ones. They clinched up a couple of times in the early rounds. I think Kai like started to find some really good, strong positions. I think like Josh was kind of playing more of a dump and trip oriented game. Yeah. So Kai just like he's got a good strong grip. Like he does most of his clinching with me, and I'm mm. twice the size of him. So that kind of yeah. just builds that good relevant strength. Where like when Josh would go to trip, like he landed a few good trips, but some of the time Kai would capitalize well. Well, it's when, like when when Josh was trying to trip, it was very muscled. Yeah. And then like then you could tell when he's tired, like the trips just weren't happening. Anymore. Yeah. And he kind of turned himself sort of side on and Kai would land some good, just be locked on over the top, have like that square position to Josh being on the side and then land some good knees. And then through the second and the third, I, I definitely think like um, Josh just showed a good amount of composure and experience really came through and just Kai was landing well through the whole fight. Landed, like it was never, um, he never really like the momentum never, I don't feel ever really swung all the way. Josh's way that like Kai was still giving him a lot to work with still doing well every time they did clinch up it's just that when they're on the outside Josh was leaning the bigger moments like he slipped a couple right hands through that kind of shot Kai's head back and pedaled him back to the ropes and just stayed on a little better and a couple like big dramatic scores like spinning back fist and swept him a couple times so just kind of like Kai landed well but it was just the difference like when Josh was landing he was really like doing kind of visible damage on Kai so at the end of it it was just kind of like that good Boys, but I also think like maybe like there was a bit of an adrenaline thing for Kai in his first fight because like it wasn't thrown with the same sting yeah. in the third round, so it was kind of like a duel of like he was throwing like landing techniques well, but not in like a like a super off balancing way. So like when Josh was kind of like power was showing, Josh probably did have like a reasonable power advantage over Kai, just being a bit a bit better suited to the weight and stuff like that. So yeah, Josh just kind of like used like a good amount of ring smarts and landed landed more effectively through rounds two and three, especially, and Kai just lost a narrow one on points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good match. Yeah, that was a good match from there. I liked it in that one. <coughs> and then hopefully, yeah, get Kai back in the ring sometime later in the year. That one's and it's just a good learning experience from that one also. Yeah. And like, yeah, same thing, just kind of like make him fill out a little bit more yeah. as well. We'll take the weight, like take some fights at that lower weight class. But same thing, it's just hard. Like I try to match him. For ages from there, it's just nothing. And like, because I still want them to fight juniors. Yeah, I don't want to fight like adults at the moment from that one. Maybe like you know, so like eighteen year old kids. Yeah, no one like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. He's for like like for doing like his mid thirties. Like, <laughs> that's good. I, I think that the rules have changed in MTA. Now. Yeah, like you're not allowed to fight someone that's like I think eighteen months. You're elder if you're still a junior. Yeah, if you're under 18, you yeah. can't fight someone who's more than two years or 18 yeah. months older than you. Yeah. yeah, it's good. So um, going off from that one, there's a few other fights. There's a few knockouts on this card. There's a few well. chaos. <laughs> some good, there's some good zingers on there. Yeah. Um, I think Full Force had a good night that night. That was good. Yeah, good crew night. <clears throat> and it's good like to see that we actually had a little bit of cheer crew of the girls out there. So we had both of the Karinas out there. 
had my wife as well, Shirley out there as well representing from that one. That was pretty fun. And um <clears throat> and also uh so we're just going to your fight now, Hugh. So yes. you're fighting Scott Allen from High Impact, run by Anthony Whalen. I think it's Whalen, yep. Uh, <clears throat> from there. And a five round affair, full Muay Thai from that one. How did it feel in the ring? Felt good, like I'm getting like I think I don't know, I wasn't like real happy with this fight like straight afterwards but I watched it back and I, I think it was okay like I think it's like yeah I mean like I didn't hate it like I didn't really like I don't think it's one of those things where like, I wasn't happy after the fight but like I didn't really get hit in the fight no at, really. at all and like I have no which is like oh, like I like to fight smart like I've really put heaps more kind of uh, that's kind of been <laughs> prioritised fighting smart a lot more the last like year or so I think I'd I've had a couple fights that have made me go, yeah, it's time to switch. Time to just like, <laughs> like, like if I'm coming out of a fight and I score well, it's not particularly close and I don't get hurt. That's cool. I don't like, I know I won't need pick too much. And like, I have been back and watching like a lot of things. I think like I had to look at it and go like, there's a lot of things that probably three or four fights ago I thought of as like, why the fuck can't I just figure this out that I'm doing really smartly now. Mm. Like I've improved on a lot of things that I really 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 wanted to probably about a year ago like kick game was working well it's just um i I wanted to get my hands going a little bit more i think i did yeah through kind of the middle rounds just probably like at times (coughs) just a little bit i think i was really particularly coming into my fight with ollie uh, earlier in the year like really to the point of annoying myself trying to play a counter kicking game like because my early fights were just forward 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 and like every like, even, like, because, you know, I've trained in a few gyms. Like, every coach who gave me a little bit of point was like, you can't just run forward all the time. Like, it just, it doesn't work like that in pro fights. Like, it works for you in the amateurs, but you, you, you're going to run into trouble. And I did run into trouble. Like, I, I would just I'd be like, this is just my thing. I just run guys down. Yeah. And eventually, they, you know, they fade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, really placing that emphasis on just, like, playing, like, a, a smart counter-kicking game, like, which I can do. I just often didn't. Which is like maybe in this fight it was coming to a little bit of like I needed to just pick my times a little bit better to get more aggressive. But like watching it back through the middle of the fight, it was definitely just like aggressive burst forward. Just kind of like felt out a bit early, so like can't be too yeah I can't be too frustrated with myself for taking like when you've got five three minute rounds to work, it's not a bad thing to take time to feel out. I just do think at times I was feeling out for the sake of. I had felt out. I didn't. I didn't need to wait anymore. Like every like, it's, it just gets to that point where like, when everything you throw lands, you don't need to wait and look. Just you're landing at will. So like, not a bad fight. Like pretty happy with how a few things are coming along, especially defensively. Like yeah. some things are coming along pretty well. Well, it's like you know you see what Scott wanted to do. Like you know, basically was trying to hammer the low kicks in and then like trying to use that to kind of set up his right hand from there. Yeah. But it's like yeah, just spoiling his work. You know, just using your tape well. And, like, you know, getting into the kicking game from there across his arms, like, you know, keeping him off balance. Yeah. And going back and forth on the low kicks as well. Yeah. So, like, the little change-up. There's a few times where you, you know, touch his, touch his chin pretty good with the right hand. He's just tough, man. Like, yeah. I was like, like, I was really, like, I think I have him with the right hand better than it. Like, I've been really trying to work, get my right hand going. Because, like, I feel it's pretty strong. Mm. I just don't land it a lot in fights. Mm. But he pedaled back to the night, seen his eyes, but then he'd just kind of shake it off. Yeah. So, then he couldn't cut him either. Yeah, like, you, you, you got a few good elbows. Just gliding elbows across his face. I'd like, look back at him for sure. I'd cut him and I had it. Maybe he just, just moisturises a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Skin's elastic. But yeah, I think he, he does just have that general demeanour where like, he'll kind of make you feel like the fight was more frustrating than it is because mm. like, he's just tough. 
Yeah. Just kind of shaking. He's just in there. Yeah. And then, but there was like, I think it was towards the end of the round, there wasn't really much happening on his end yeah. on that one. Yeah, he kind of, it, it also was interesting because he did kind of fade out of the fight altogether. Like He, kinda, he just survived. He yeah. just like, he just goes, well, I'm just going to make sure I'm not going to get towed up here and just like try and get some work done. But he just had a good, yeah. just backpedaling and just keeping off. And that him. was a weird thing for me. Like I haven't dealt with that for a very long time. Someone just really ultimately just kind of like running out of exchanges. Because you kind of like, I think when you watch most fights, like a lot of the most damaging work gets done in throw someone answers, someone answers back. So it's like when you throw and you do your work and they just pedal all the way out of range, kind of like, wait, what? Like I've got more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute. Fight me! <laughs> but like, I, that was another thing I just switched up. I was like, oh no, I've really got to, He's not coming back. Like, I've got to go after him a little yeah. bit more. It took me till probably the fourth round to really figure that out. Uh, but yeah, it was a good fight. Like, you know, same thing. You can always learn from it a little bit. Yeah, learn, learning heaps every time. Mm. It's good. All right, so let's go to the main event of the KS yes. Muay Thai card from there. Um, so it was a K1 fight from there, and I think it was a K1 fight because, like, a uh, fighter, Mark Timms, who's originally from the UK, has done a lot of stints everywhere across the world. A lot of stints everywhere. Um, he's fighting at City Kickboxing at the moment, New Zealand, under Eugene Behrman, and as you know, Israel Asanya fights out of there as well. Former opponent, Israel Asanya. Yeah, former yeah. opponent. <laughs> um, he's currently contracted to Glory, and I think they didn't want to make it a Muay Thai fight because they're afraid... He's going to get cut, maybe? I'm not sure what the or exact logic is. Yeah, worried he'll get cut. Or maybe they just don't want their... Like, I guess, like, to them, having a, one of their guys, if they're like, okay, we don't have fights for you, you can fight elsewhere. They feel like if they're fighting another rule set, it doesn't, like, promote the sport, maybe. Like, maybe it's a branding thing. Like, they don't want guys going out fighting other rule set. Yeah. Which is weird, because, like, they will have, like, their champions fighting MMA. Yeah. So it kind of seems weird that they're not <laughs> cool with... Yeah. Fighters who, like, really they've given a couple of fights and gone quiet on going to fight them with Elbert. Hmm. Or maybe, like, I don't know, maybe, like, Mark Timms didn't want to fight Muay Thai. Like, I know maybe. he's, like, a preferential kickboxer. Like, he was a Muay Thai fighter back in the day. Yeah. But I, th- I heard his interview with Mudzi. He said, like, on the advice of Joe Schilling, he went all the way towards kickboxing. So yeah. maybe it was just a matter of, like, like what, what we heard was it was his glory contract, but maybe it was kind of his end as well. Like, yeah. I'm contracted to glory. I don't want to fight Makes sense. Muay Thai. Yeah. Interesting match though, because like yeah, yeah, I, I never would have thought of making this match. So who was versing was uh, Charlie Bob from uh, Razor, Muay Razor Muay Thai in Orange there, and so like uh, this one was really good. It was like and really it was a good showing for Bob from there because like I kind of maybe even scored it as like a like as a shutout. Yeah, a fifty forty five or like probably like. Maybe a fifty forty six. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you could have done draw around in there, but That's true. yeah. Um, like when we saw from Bob, like fighter from there, like because like more so like he was a Muay Thai fighter. Yeah, all these fights from that, and he's just recently just switched over the K one. I think just we talked two. about it. Yeah, yeah. and like um, just like the fluidity of him changing, like switching stances. Yeah, and just kind of working his hand combinations as well. Like were really good. And not something he did a lot back, like in the last couple of years. Like something that's pretty recent. He's yeah. like. His ability to switch it, but it's like like he's always had like a massively high volume style. Like he likes to work off of his hands and he throws in lengthy combinations at times. And it's just the way that he switched it up. So throughout a combination, his stance is shifting and just his his comfort in doing that. Just that one. He looks kind of like throw a one-two, but as he throws it, step the rear foot in front of him. So then it's like, they just like then come back off of his left side. And this is the way to like work really beautifully against Tim's style. Like that heavy set, hook oriented. More like quite a quite like a classical boxing oriented kickboxing style, like likes to like roll the shoulders and like 
work off of his lead hook. But just the way that, like, when he's kind of, like, setting his feet to throw those big shots, it's like, pop, 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 coming from, like, just can't quite figure out where Bubby is because of the lateral movement across different stances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just real beautiful to watch. <coughs> yeah, it was good because, like, you know, you've seen Mark, like, you seen Mark Tim fight before in glory and things like that. And obviously, I've seen him fight in Australia. Like, I think I remember seeing him fight on WLF. When they were in Australia, yeah, and, and like he's a good fighter, good fighter, but yeah, like, no slouch at all. But he just got absolutely shut down. Like he, there was like nothing coming out of him. Yeah, he started to rally back kind of through late third into the fourth, but still mm. that bub was was pretty well ahead of him most of the time. Mm. It was just kind of a matter of like on. A, 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 in a point sense, like Bub's really just racking them up. It's just that every now and then, like teams would kind of go, "Fuck, I'm I'm starting to really this one's starting to slip away." He would start to land a little bit, yeah, but he couldn't like. He would land on Bub through those third and fourth rounds, but couldn't capitalize on positional advantages mm-hmm. just because of the way that Bub has so many options when he's willing to go either way in either stance. Yeah. So then it's just like the way that he can just kind of take an exit, switch either foot that he wants behind him so he can go left or right into orthodox or southpaw, then just land off of the rear side from just like the options created from being able to comfortably answer in either stance just didn't let Tim's get a roll on at all. Like, it's just, he'd land a shot, but then Bub's back, bup, bup, bup. And mixing up the level of commitment on each strike as well. Like, he might flip southpaw and throw a three-punch combo, but nothing really on it. It's when he shifts back to orthodox, he loads up the power. Just mm. super difficult to get a read on. I think, like, a very frustrating fight for Mark Timms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, <clears throat> this is a good show. And like you said, the options that allows Bub to do kind of switching stances, but also, like, he's got the agility to, and the footwork patterns to actually do it. Because yeah. some people change stances and they just go, you've done this before, man? Yeah. Like, he's like, probably want to do it. You probably want to spend more time on it before doing it to the ring. Man. But, like, you know, same thing, like, you know, I'm, like, big advocate now making everyone change stances. It's very early in the game and I don't expect everyone to be switch hitters now. Yeah. Because it's still, like, it takes a long time to develop, but we're starting to do it a little bit more now and I think we're seeing a lot of benefit in terms of people, like, Footwork and just giving you yeah. different options if you are stuck in Southport sometimes if you don't want it. Yeah, I've been liking playing with Southport a lot. It's like, yeah, like you say, like you can get reasonably proficient in the gym. Like, I spend a fair bit of time in the gym in Southport now, but like it's just one of those things, like, super hard to pull that into a fight. Mm. I tried it in this fight, but like, yeah. like fifth round yeah. <laughs> for about 45 seconds. That's mm. probably the most Southport I've racked up. Yeah, that's it. Just got to build on top of it. Yeah. Right. So, um, so that concludes like the <clears throat> recap um, of. Uh, chaos Muay Thai from yep. there um, thanks for Josh for having us out I think he's having another show in December yeah I'd like to get back for that yeah I'll get back for that one it's alright Canberra's not too bad of a place I it's, actually don't mind Canberra yeah, it's like just, it's alright it's, it's cold as shit it'll be okay in December <laughs> they got some good coffee places yeah, yeah coffee, uh, coffee in Canberra's alright I'll have to try it out next time actually sweet breakfast places as well yeah. I just ate so much food <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought <laughs> <laughs> alright so shift gears from there so let's go over so um, over the weekend we had IBJJF uh, Worlds and I think it was in California. Yeah, this one. yeah, Long Beach. Long Beach. The, the pyramid, giant pyramid. I, went, I competed there in 2012, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and uh, it's a big giant pyramid they have at the university there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So let's, let's let's talk about how how whenever. So we had some some good uh, some good jujitsu. Some bad refing, <laughs> some like yeah, some some competitive shenanigans. Um, yeah. Let us know what happened. There was all kinds of shenanigans, but but like um, I guess with the referees, if it comes down to a, a decision, the ref, uh, you, I think you could argue they pick their favourite fighter, and it's not an American. 
It's Ken and Cornelius. See, Chinese? Thing. They just picked a Chinese fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Come to think of it, I don't think I've seen a Chinese fighter at the Worlds. Oh. I mean, Japanese, but yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, it'll happen. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. we digress. Yeah. So, Ken and Cornelius made it to, um, uh, I think, was it the... F- it was he made it to the final with Landry Lowe. Was it the final? Yeah. Okay. Oh. He went against Nicholas Marigali, um, and he beat him. He he beat him two points to zero. Even though Marigali had like uh, ten advantages from submission attempts, but he couldn't get ahead on the points. Advantages. Oh. <laughs> You should have had advantages. Yeah. It's like, good job, buddy. You almost got that. You almost swept the guy. An advantage. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but he was, yeah, he, he lost to the referee, Ken and Cornelius. Mm. Like every, every, every comment I read about that, that match was he was doing more than low. Mm. Um, and there was like, you know, no points, no advantages, nothing. So the ref raised Lowe's hand and everyone was just like, oh, of course, you're not Brazilian. We forgot. Why does Ken bother anymore? <laughs> like, why would you bother this game? Well, so you just go, I'm just going to get fucked over every time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, all the Brazilians... I'm just going by what I've read with different reports and comments online and everything. All the Brazilians thought Lowe won, of course. But everyone who was there said, nah, Keenan mm. should have had his hand raised. But <coughs> it is what it is. Um, Combat yeah. Jiu-Jitsu. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, bring back EBIs, please. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. So... Um, he couldn't. He couldn't go. I think it took him out of. He got injured too. I think Keenan said he got injured, so he couldn't yeah. continue after that match anyway. Yeah. So yeah, that kind of sucks because um, he would have been one of the few Americans that have made it to the top. And speaking of Americans making it to the top, Mikey, uh, I hate trying to say his name, <laughs> Missy, Missy, Missy Massey, Missy Messi. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's the first American to win three gold medals in two separate divisions, um, which is, I think he cut down to roost away and he had such a hard weight cut. He was, he was 200, I think he was 200 grams under, but then the, the refs wouldn't let him compete in his gi because it wasn't regulation. <coughs> Cough. Ah, yeah. yeah, so he had to go and borrow someone's gi, then he was 200 grams over weight. Because of the gi was too heavy. Come on, man! Like, yeah. Does the gi weight actually make that much difference? So his life? solution, he went and shaved his head. <laughs> Did it was, work? Yeah, it worked. Yeah. Is that a lot of hair? Uh, uh, he had a nice head of like hair. How much is hair? Two hundred grand. He did. He did have a nice head of hair. He did have a nice head of hair, but it worked, and he got through, and he, he won. Oh, he beat okay. he beat Bruno Marfacine, who's probably one of the most decorated black belts ever. He's just won everything in that division forever. He beat him in the semi-finals, mm. um, and he went to shake his hand at the end of the match. And Bruno just did the fake handshake gesture to the hair swipe. Which, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, he doesn't even have hair, does he? Like, uh, that's even, that's I don't know. Insulting. I think he does. <laughs> just like it's like it's very yeah. it's very short shaven. It's like yeah. it was like it was bizarre. But it, he got on social media afterwards saying, "Oh yeah, he had a bit of a beef with Mahi before." And I don't know. It was all kind of vague, and it just looked really bad. To see, I felt a little bit of me died inside because he's one of these black belts that I've looked up to for ages, and he's just uh, just unbelievable competitor. And then he does that. And I'm just like, fuck, what's happened to sportsmanship? <laughs> That's it. It's funny, though. Like, a lot of Brazilians, they go, oh, yeah, got to do the, you know, 
roughing my sportsmanship, but yeah, you got him doing that. Was that that uh, cyborg? Everyone is just just slapping the shit out of Gordon Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so respect goes one way, eh? Cool. Yeah, he was another one I looked up to heaps, and that was again just a little, little bit of disappointment inside me, just sort of surface to the top. But anyway. That was that was quite remarkable for him to do that, and his sister won a gold as well. She, I remember her for having her arm broken by Michelle Nicolini a few years ago. I think twenty fifteen, she had her arm snapped. That was ugly, but now she's come back, and and she's remarkable too because she's studying full time as a law student, so she didn't even train full time. Then to come in and win a title at the at the worlds like that, that's pretty cool. So yeah, brother sister duo, um, that was really cool. Um, the Cicero Costa team, so the Meow brothers closed out. But actually, the whole team just closed out that division. And we Fuck had your closeout. I know, fucking closeout. Just fight, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate them. I'm like, uh, I, I used to hear the arguments like, oh, they're teammates and they can't compete against each other. Oh, also, like, you know, for people that don't know, what's a closeout? So basically, two teammates make it to the final and there's a gentleman's agreement as to who gets the gold medal. So, uh, <laughs> one just forfeits. <laughs> the first time I heard it, <laughs> that, what the, the hell? The reaction Hugh, Hugh just had, the first time I ever heard of it, that's the same reaction I had. I'm like, but don't people want to see them fight? But I guess at the same time that it's like, I can sort of understand the logic, but don't both go in the same tournament then. You know, like... I, I think there should be a the rule division. that, like, same, you know... Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, you yeah, know, two division. representatives from the same gym shouldn't be in, the, in one in position. The, yeah. yeah. I think that should be a rule. Like, yeah. you can't have people in the same bracket of a tournament that are unwilling to compete against yeah. each other. Or you agree beforehand that you're going to fight. Yeah. Yeah. That would be fucking awesome to watch them fight. You know they fight in the gym. What difference does it make if they do it in public? We've seen that at different nationals. Yeah. People for, uh, two PCJ boys for the gold mine. No. Yeah. They've <laughs> changed like, the rule now. They've like at yeah, like yeah. this is how I try to compare it. Like because like tournament form and Muay Thai is similar structurally to like yeah. Jiu Jitsu. So, okay. It's like yeah, they changed the rule where you can't be in the same nationals bracket or states bracket as someone from your gym. For the reason that they can't have people getting through a tournament and turning down fights with each other. Because they also have a rule where if you say no to fight it's a double DQ, not a so <laughs> no one gets it. <laughs> <laughs> you just reminded me there was a double DQ. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> Australian guy. Whoops. Um, Levi Leary Jones got DQ'd. I can't remember who his opponent was, um, but for uh, passivity, they didn't do enough. Yeah. Right. So he, I wonder if that was a legit call though. I don't know. I didn't. I, could, I was looking for the fight. I couldn't find it because you know they're starting to post stuff on YouTube now, but. I couldn't find that one, but yeah, that's disappointing because he's been rising up. I think he took out the Europeans and everything this year. Mm. So um, yeah, they both got DQ for basically not doing <coughs> enough inactivity. I think right. that was weird. I'll look it up. See if I can find it. But anyway, um, uh, what else is going on? Marcus Almeida, he got like he's like I think it's his thirteenth title or something ridiculous. Mm. So he's got that goat status pretty cemented now. He got through uh, with um, Leandro Lowe. They closed out their division, so Lowe gave him the gold. Um, I think it's because they're, they're best mates and trained together a hell of a lot. Bitches! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Fight me, bitch! That's <laughs> a fight I really wanted to see anyway. That's what I mean, though. It just... It's like we talked about from there. Like it's almost like the other competitors in the division go, "What the fuck did we turn up for then?" Like, yeah. And like you know, same thing. Spectators in the crowd go, "Oh, this is a good fight." Wait, what are they doing? What? 
if they close it out, like, what am I paying for? Yeah. Yeah, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> I really think of it from that angle. Yeah. He got the double gold, closed it out with an Andro. Um, Wait, also, if it's closed, like, how do you pick who actually gets the gold? They, I think they make an agreement between themselves beforehand. It's like... You the bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm the stop saying it. You're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> That's like, I got no ties this one. Like, I'm, do a, they fight I'm a BJ Globetrotter. I don't give yeah. a shit. <laughs> <laughs> like Kenny Cornelius. Yes. <laughs> it's the first time he competed without a team. He joined up with the um, BJJ Globetrotters. Mm. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Which is, if you don't have BJJ Globetrotters, it's basically it's all. It's like it's affiliation without affiliation. So like you know how some gyms like it'd be Gracie or Hibero, things like that. So we're not because I just don't want to be locked down in political political bullshit. Plus I don't want to pay a pyramid skin as well. And then like um so yeah, so we're part of BJ Globe So which is a good thing as well. So if there's other Globe Trotters that are in the area, we get the offer from a three week of training. So if like you're from like Norway or something, you're in this thing and you go, Hey, I'm a BJ go to go, all right, train here for free while you're over. Here. Yeah. I actually like having visitors. I like having visitors from other gyms and I like cross training. Mm-hmm. So it's good. It's good for us. You learn new things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all we all get to learn each other's game here. It gets a bit stale. Yeah. Of course. So yeah. Always how it goes, yeah. If you're listening overseas, come visit. Yeah, come yeah. visit, man. I'll say hi. Yeah. Come, oh. come come and simulate murder, bro. <laughs> Simulated murder. <laughs> Um, that's the other thing I wanted to mention. Mikey Messi, Messi I'm going to say it like that. Yeah. He, the other record he broke, he got a submission in 12 seconds, a straight ankle lock. That's a reasonably quick submission. It's like yeah. a, an ankle lock seems to be a quick like mission in general a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. If you hit it just the right angle and timing and everything like that, it can be really fast. Kautara, he got taken out in the early quarterfinals this year. He's someone I followed for a long yeah. time, but he's awesome at them. He does them really fast. Um... Oh, what else? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was a group of guys who had an IG page. This is the shenanigans part <coughs> of the of the world. Nice. The part um, we've been waiting for. Yeah, the shenanigans. So there's an IG page called BJJ Steroids. And these guys have been going around the world posting a lot of shit talk about Ados and now Brothers and <laughs> anyone else who's been pinged in the past about being steroid abusers. And they were at the world's posting live and doing video feeds and apparently, one of the, one of the guys from um, Ados, I targeted Aldrey Gaval, who founded Ados uh, a lot. Mm. Yeah, um, it was uh, one of the, one of their top guys. Pretty jacked. Yeah, they're all <laughs> they're all pretty jacked. Luke, Lucas Barbosa, like sort of fronted some mm. random guy in the crowd, thinking it was he was the one responsible for the page. Right. The guy responsible for the page was standing on the other side of the, the place, videoing the whole incident, <laughs> <laughs> laughing at them and posting it. So, yeah, and there were a lot of shit talk comments from Ados team that he kept posting on the page. I've got to follow this page now. Yeah, <laughs> I went and had a look at it. It's probably taken off a bit more since I looked at it. Yeah. It jumped from 3,000 to 6,000 when I looked at it. I'd like to see what it is now. <laughs> but anyway, the moral of the story is don't fucking do steroids. Oh, yeah, and start testing, at least at the world's. Anyway, that's yes. my rant. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I'll just go real quickly. Um Mikey Musa Messi defeated Bruno Maldini. I'm saying it that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're looking at the logo for the page I was just talking about. <laughs> Two cross syringes. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, the final was um, Rodney, Bo- Rodney Barbosa. I'm saying it that way. It's not spelt that way. Straight ankle lock. Light featherweight, uh, which was his former division. Um, that was a team closeout from C- uh, Cicero across the team. 
So they close out the finals and the semis. <laughs> anyway. Featherweight. Um, oh, yeah, I should say that the Marcelo Garcia's guys, they put on a really good show, but they just weren't that lucky, I guess. That's one description I read. They sort of like Gianni Grippo, he got taken out in the in the quarters, I think. And Matthias Dinas, I followed him for a long time. Um, he ended up the same way. It's just like a lot of these matches were so close, you know, referees' decisions and advantages and two point wins and stuff like that. So it, it just shows how tough the level of competition is there now. And because you've got to qualify to get in there now at the black belt level, um, it's made that level of competition way harder. That's sort of reflected in these decisions and results. Uh, what else was going on? So, yeah. Um, Lucas Lepre, he defeated, I think that was his seventh title too. He defeated Lucas Valente by decision. Um, but yeah, Jesus, that guy's super decorated now. Yeah. He's got a seminar here too. I'm not trying to shill for other people, <laughs> but I just noticed he's got one this week in Sydney. So yeah, go check him out if you're around. Thanks. I'm too busy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working. I'm too poor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that too. Yeah, I'll go. Medium heavy. I know jujitsu. Felipe Pina defeated Gustavo Batista by decision. There you go, two points each. Yikes. Um, in the heavyweights, that was um, Kanan Durate defeated Landro Low in that one. So that wasn't Low's day. Always the bridesmaid. Super heavyweight. Uh, yeah. Oh, Nicholas Marigali after losing to Cornelius and. I think it was the absolute. He defeated Muhammad Ali um, by they call it double collar choke in this article. It's cross collar choke. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, he took him out in the super heavies, ultra heavyweights. That was Marcus Almeida. Um, yeah, Shisha? took out Ricardo. Yeah, Buchecha. He took out Ricardo and Vangelista by points. Uh, and in the open weight, yeah, it was him and Landro Lowe that closed it out, as I mentioned earlier. Um, oh, that uh, Fionn Davies, that female competitor from Wales. Yeah, I think she's from Wales. Wales. Yeah, she got she got a bronze, but I think she would have got through. I think she got injured, didn't she? Yeah, Did I, you think, tell I, don't, I don't know how she got injured, but it's like you know, I just saw like a clip of her just walking off the mat, just clutching at her arm or shoulder or something. Like that. Yeah, didn't didn't end that well for her. She yeah, she, she, like, she was going for the the. Ever elusive uh, triple slam, grand slam? Yeah, she would have got the grand slam if she won this for the year, which is fucking awesome because I think she's only been a, a black belt for 12 months or something, not very long. Nice. There's a few new black belts coming through that are just doing really well on the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beatriz Mesquita, she won her division in lightweight against um, Charlotte Von Bumagarten. Um Yeah, she's another one who's just, just really, really decorated and titled. She wins a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the main, that's the gist of it. There's heaps more names and um, the shenanigans, <laughs> shenanigans. <laughs> that went on. <coughs> yeah, that was the Wells. It was pretty eventful. Mm-hmm. If you get a chance to see it and IBJJF, JJF, start posting it on YouTube, go and check out some of the matches. Mm. You know, it's a good way to learn too. You yeah. see what's working and what isn't. Yeah, you will watch. Yeah. Watch All right, so... Let's go into a preview now. So this weekend we have UFC 238, 
Suhuto versus Morales in Chicago. Um, this, this this card is good. Pretty good card. Like yeah. from top to bottom. We'll probably just mainly talk about maybe the top three fights or so. But if we're just looking at the card itself from there, uh, she like you know Ricardo Lamas versus Calvin Cater is really good. Um, even like this match, it'd be interesting. But like you know these two like are on a bit of a losing streak. Like you have got Carolina Kagawalski. Is that? Versus yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa Grasso from there. Like Alexa Grasso was like touted to be a big thing, and then mm. as soon as she hit the UFC, kind of fizzled. Yeah, really. From there, um, Aljamain Sterling versus Pedro Munoz is a fucking good, good fight. fight. It's a yeah. really good fight. I like that. Like two like grappling stalwarts from there, but like they both don't mind. like like Aljamain Sterling's got really he's like really getting used to his kicking game. Yeah, Pedro Munoz just bangs. Like, you know, if, if you watch his last fight with Cody Gabra from there, like, you know, Patrick Moon can wear a shot, but he can just rip a shot as well yeah. off of that. Um, Tatiana Suarez, who's like an up-and-coming uh, fighter, and I think it's strawweight, or maybe it's a little bit Straw, higher. Yeah, yeah. strawweight, against Nina Askarov. Very Tatiana. Yeah. Um, she looked really good. Like, I think a former, like, you know, D1 wrestler from there until she got injured, or Olympic hopeful wrestler, and she got injured in that one. And she just monsters chicks. Absolutely monsters. And Nina Askarov's been looking pretty good as well from there. Very interesting fight. Got your boy Ty Tuvasa <laughs> back in action again. Nice. Got uh, Blagov Igonov from there. Yeah. Don't really know much about him. Uh, Jimmy Rivera versus Peter Yarn. That's really good. I really like uh, Peter Yarn, how he's been looking lately from that. Uh, like, was ever since hitting the UFC, he's been pretty spectacular. And Jimmy Rivera's like, Constant good performance, except for like, you know, I guess that 10 second knockout against Marlon Moraes. Yeah. <laughs> Shit's going to happen sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you get a head kicked. That's all right. All right. So let's talk about some, like, uh, in depth a little bit, some of the matches coming up here. So Tony El Kakui Ferguson's back on it again after, like, his little stint with everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some domestic issues. I mean, that's, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Uh, versus Donald Cowboy uh, Serrano. Um, this is a good match. I like this match. It's a very interesting match in terms of like um, Don Cerrone's he's really kind of fan his feet, I guess, going back down the division. Yeah. Again. And there, even though it looks fucking really sucked out when he doesn't yeah. make the bike cut there. But it doesn't seem to affect his gas tank. Yeah, his gas tank's good. It's one of those things like he looks when you look at him sucked down low, there you go. Yeah, it looks like it's pretty rough for him to get down his way class. When you see him up at one seventy, you go, I guess it's just the game. Mm. Like he's too small up there. Like when he fought Darren Till. Yeah. Like, Till just dwarfed him. Like, Till's just like, you know, he's gaming the system with those weight guys. Yeah, he's kind of the other end of the spectrum, yeah, and it caught up with him. But, mm. like, yeah, like, Cowboy's pretty small at 170. Mm-hmm. Looks pretty, like, he's on, like, one of the better runs of his career, I think, at the moment at 155. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, you know, Tony's focusing, like, you know, you see him fight, it's bizarre. Like, how he just moves in that. Like, yeah. rolls with shots and things like that, but... Probably they're getting clocked. Gets cracked a lot. Yeah, and yeah. like it's funny, like you see him get clocked, and he just starts doing somersaults. Yeah, it's like it's like you know, he's like uh, like you know, in a video game where you just get oh shit, my health health points are down. Yeah, just, I'll just roll out, roll out, roll out. Yeah, until I find something. X zero left, X zero left. Yeah, he has like the most bizarre like, kind of responses to getting tagged, mm. like instinctive responses. It's like if you get tagged and you're on like like you get wobbly, like you're just acting with instinct, mm. and the instinct for him is like. Do a front flip. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do a barrel roll. It's got to be one of his strengths as well, though. His unorthodox style has got to make him hard to yeah. train against. Well, that's it. And just had a little bit over. Like, you know, he'd be just, like, yeah, rolling the shots, kind of Imanari rolls, trying to gambling out of everything as well. Yeah. Like, as soon as like, gets, someone gets on his back, he just starts gambling and gets getting out. Um, I guess, like, in the striking tomorrow, you have to lean towards Cerrone. Yeah. Like, um, Tony Ferguson does have, like, 
he does stink yeah. a fair bit, but like probably defensively not the best. Yeah. Um, if you look at the ground game, so Tony Ferguson is a proponent of the, like the ten planet system under Eddie Bravo, yeah. Edgy Bra, Edgy Bra. Uh, but Donald Trump has got a lot of wins off his back, and also like triangle chokes in yeah, particular. He's nice player. Mm. Yeah. So I, I don't know if like Donald Trump wants to engage a grappling battle in that one too much with Tony Ferguson. I don't think so. It, it's like it probably puts it in Tony Ferguson's way too much. Yeah, like he wanted to keep it standing up because like you know, like you saw Tony Ferguson, he got clocked. By Anthony Pettis. By Anthony Pettis, yeah. Right hand. I think the way, like, Cowboys striking game is pretty well suited. Well, there's a couple of variables in this fight. Like, when you watch, um, obviously it wasn't that long ago that um, Ferguson had that wicked knee injury that put him out for not that long. It's been a while since he's fought now, so the knee injury was a little while ago, but it was last year. (coughs) Um, It came back uh, within six months of that to fight Pettis. And when Pettis landed leg kicks in that fight, like, at one point really early in that fight, Pettis shoots for that kind of, like, lower leg kick, like, it's toward the knee. And, like, just just the impact on the leg forces Ferguson to do, like, a full 360. Mm -hmm. And then you can see him kind of hobble on it for the rest of that fight. Like, he figures it out, but, like, it's kind of irritated. And Cowboy's a money leg kicker Mm. for MMA. Yeah. But outside of just, like, the, um, where Ferguson's knee's at, I'm sure it's a lot better than that fight now. It's just, the way that he sits like really low, really wide, and steps in between stances, as I was like, that's a very good position to be for a leg kicker. Yeah. So I think like if Cowboy gets on the offensive with leg kicks early, he could definitely because also a lot of like if you could kind of like, especially with like Ferguson switching stance, if you can bust up one or both legs, really difficult to just kind of like get off some of the movements that <coughs> Ferguson likes to do. Mm-hmm. But like Ferguson will walk through a lot too. It's kind of like, yeah, so I do think, like, A, where's his knee going to be at with, like, getting back into that fight so quickly? And, like, it's been a while since he's fought now, but, like, he's been in fight camps mm-hmm. then. But also, I guess, he used to, I think, like, where's his head at as well? Yeah, that's it. Doesn't seem to be screwed on too tight if the, all the allegations <laughs> are true. Well, I mean, like, I prefer to be kind of, like, purely technical in analysis, but I do think that's, that's a, a it's considerable gonna be a, variable. It's going to be a factor. I think, Mental element of fighting. Yeah. yeah. You've got to be like pretty much like pretty set on your task. You can't have too much outside shit affecting it. Um, who are we picking? I like Cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I think I'll go with Saran because he'll try, he'll keep it standing, and I think he's a better striker. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Fine. I'll go the opposite way. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you disagree? <laughs> I think a lot about this fight to me is like if they'd fought even sort of like eight months ago. I would lean pretty heavily towards Ferguson. Mm. But, like, I just think, like, from where Ferguson, what Ferguson's been going through versus the form that Cerrone's been in, I do think the timing seems really good yeah. for Cowboy. But also the way, like, to me, I do look at the way that, um, the way Ferguson will pedal backwards. Um, when he gets tagged, or even sometimes just against advancing opponents, he's just got those really wide, sweeping steps. If you watch the way that um, Cowboy's <coughs> followed, he's always done it well. The way he squares his feet up as and works with steps, like kind of works with his feet under him. Like prime example being his knockout over Rick Story, that high, low, high head kick. Yeah. But he's doing it better than ever since I think since switching up to BMF Ranch and getting the um, striking guys that are around him now. Yeah. The way that he can square up his feet and work on the fly, if he can fire down the middle as like Ferguson's taking those wide sweeping steps out, it's just those second of like you can kind of just catch Ferguson as he's shifting his weight. Mm-hmm. Is going to be like a good bet. Just 
staying square on him as he takes those big broad steps, especially if he can tag him. Like, Cowboy works really well if he stings someone, like whether it's like sort of with a step up knee, something mm-hmm. like that, and then just works, like just square, keeps his feet square and just works his hands as he advances forward. I think someone who can work on the front foot that well, like with that kind of balance and just kind of like that sitting into his stance as he goes, like that's trouble for Ferguson as he moves backward. Yeah. But it's a different story when Ferguson's staying forward. Yeah, it's like, if you look at some of the Cerrone's fights, and like Styles make fights a lot, especially in MMA. If yeah. There. It's like, um, Ferguson does have all the tools to do like, you know, what Nate Diaz did to yeah, Cerrone. And, and, you, and you look at someone that also like took care of Cerrone as well, like, you know, RDA, and like, and you see how Ferguson took care of RDA as well. Yeah. And that one just kind of buried him. Yeah. Well. So it's like he's got all the tools to do so. It's just all a bit like, yeah, same thing. Like where his mental game is at the moment from there. Because like it's funny, not too long ago, you know, he was set up to do that title match with Khabib. And like, in the, he goes, like these guys are legit the number two, number one, number two. Yeah. But now we're going to like, he's going, will he, like, you know, will he pit around? He's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Ch- it's done for like 180. Yeah. yeah. It's like I said, though, it's like last year would really confidently pick Ferguson. It's just like, I do think. The form, like where each guy, what each guy's been going through, uh, like I mean, like Cowboy's definitely poised for a massive win. I think, like the way he's been looking, versus focusing, like there's just really no way to tell where he's fit. But that being said, when I think about the match playing out and I ignore all these kind of other variables, <coughs> I can definitely get a picture in my head of, of Ferguson just kind of drowning Cowboy. Mm. Can yeah. definitely can happen, yeah. and it's happened in the past. Yeah, Cowboy's always had the one. He makes the ascension and just stumbles before he gets yeah. before a title fight. <laughs> <laughs> See if you can break the curse. All right. Um, so next on the count, I don't know what to say about this match. Um, so Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica I. So glad they made the one twenty five division. Yeah, that's it for the title fight. Who would have thought that Jessica I would be poised to make a title fight? Like she's racked up the wins. Yeah. But like you, you see her like kind of fighting style. You go, oh, yeah, how? How did we get here? It kind of just shows like the talent that's in the division as well. Like you know, go for her going. I think it's going, yeah, going up for her seemed like a good choice. Um, Valentina Shenko, like from there, the bullet. Oh, that, 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 is it bullet or is that she the panther? That's that sister. Uh, she's the bullet. She's the I'm bullet. pretty sure. Yeah. The, bullet, the bullet? Yeah, yeah. The bullet. The bullet. Yeah, that's right. She's got a little gun tattoo, doesn't she? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. From there. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm just going to say Valentina Shenko wins by like, you know, just kind of the pitter patter, but. It's the grappling game that seems to be taking her like all to these wins. Yeah, from there, like just heavy top position. Too strong on top. Yeah, yeah. She seems to just out muscle a lot of girls from that one. Like you know, Jana Jacek. I kind of expected that. Yeah, from there because like she's just so, like so much bigger than Jana Jacek. Um, Jessica, I I don't know. I don't know what to expect from from there. Yeah, look, I haven't looked into this match a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just like I said, don't really know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm probably expecting like basically same thing, just like uh, Valentina, just to like ground out five rounds. Yeah. From there, and like just got just being tough enough, just to just to go and like you know just to mm. bear with it in that one. Um, picks <laughs> 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 after that stunning analysis. <laughs> How's that going from like you know the Tony Ferguson one? We're gonna like, spend like eight minutes on like this one, one minute. Uh, yeah. And it's a title fight as well. It's uh, yeah, it's a tough Val- one. Made up way for Valentina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I have to say Valentina. Like, yeah. Jessica. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> you don't mean it. <laughs> hey, some someone will win out of this. <laughs> she can't be a champion just because like of her Twitter account. 
<laughs> What's up with the Twitter account? She can't spell. <laughs> Nobody can spell. No, but like, it's actually really kind of. I really, really, really having a look at oh, Jesse's okay. last three. Yeah, there's a, there's a gold mine happening there. <laughs> All right, so we're going to the final match from there. So, Bantamweight title match. So, the champion, Henry Cejudo, versus the challenger, Marlon Morales. This is a cracker match. Oh, yeah, no, great fight. Um, Henry Cejudo, fucking thicker than a snicker. He's like, big, he's so jacked. Big boy. <clears throat> uh, he said he changed up his training lately, like, basically, like, Working with these guys, I can't remember, but oh, the Instagram page is very interesting how they work uh, all their training. But it seems like you know you got that old wrestler mentality of like you know just mm. working as hard as you can, everything. But they actually brought him back, like you know let's do let's put the hard work in the right place, but everything else is work work and recovery. And like you see him now, I'm like Jesus Christ, he's just he's like so much muscle on him. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like um, but he seems to be like because um, like sometimes you get one way to get all the muscle on you slow down a little bit. But like he seemed to keep his athleticism, mm. which we talked about the weight training last week in the fitness tip section from there, and his cardio seems to be important as well. Um, and he has an interesting challenger in Marlon Marias. Yeah, no, Marlon Marias like decent kickboxer, like for, yeah. for MMA. Yeah. For that one, I don't know much about his ground game. After that, um, Henry Cejudo, like you know, he's an Olympic medalist, a uh, gold medalist for, for wrestling. From Got there. his own instructional out now. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, it looks interesting. Yeah, that one. Like, like heavy, uh, like when he first started, like, like very in the clinch. They were, but he's not too fast. Work, Ricky sounds like you know, knocked out TJ Dillashaw yeah. early from that. Um, but he still does his best work from the clinch, also. Yeah, that one. Um, how do you reckon this fight's gonna play out though? Mm-hmm. I can. Henry will just bulldoze him into the fence mm. and grind him, grind him into the fence. I don't think he would understand with him, would he? That wouldn't be an awesome strategy, would it? Like, in, like if you look at Marlon Morris, he's knocked out. Like, in the last three people, he's yeah. Out. I wouldn't stand with him. Yeah. yeah, I'd be looking looking to the legs as well. It's going to sound like I'm saying the same thing for every fight, but like I do think um, the low kick in is pretty pretty smart game. To, but it, it's interesting. That, yeah, I think like looking to the low kicks is going to be like in. Murray's favourite just because, like, Sudo does have that, like, quite wide, like, lunging sort of stance. Mm. Like, uh, the low kicks are there. But also, like, you look at, like, um, Sudo's, like, that pressure wrestler. He's, like, actually very flighty on the feet now. Yeah. It's not like, like he's really, like, kind of bouncy. So, I think kind of just, like, like, kicks are a good idea. Mm. Low and middle, like, Murray's is a big kicker. Yeah. Like, just to set yeah. off of that. How much homework do you reckon they do on each other? Do you reckon they actually sit down and analyse each other's fights and, and come up with a, a game plan? Uh, I, think trainers do. I, mean, I don't know. So like, who knows? Seems like that type of dude yeah. that they would like research it a fair bit. But it's one of those ones as well. Like, I don't think he has to game plan too much. Like, you know, what Morales does to do is because he just goes, I know where I'm going. Yeah. I just mm. have to get there. Morales probably has to be a little bit more like, I go, probably this is the, I'm just thinking about the best grapple he's ever fought. Yeah. I don't think it gets that much better. Yeah, really. that's what I mean. Yeah. It's like, you know, Algermain Stern's a really good one, but... Not a gold medalist. Not a gold medalist. Like, Anyone here that is Henry Cejudo is actually a gold medalist? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a gold medalist wrestler? How many yeah. times are they going to say that? On there? <laughs> <laughs> there. Interesting way he promotes himself as well for Henry Cejudo. <laughs> yeah, he definitely has his own vibe. Yeah. Going into it. <laughs> Uh, I'm just actually waiting for like in the, the like the full press conference. He's gonna rock up in the suit again, and that one belt trapped across. Going, yep, just doing worse in an MC impersonation. Um, so picks. Um, pick? I'm gonna go Henry on this. I just yeah, I just think his conditioning, his his athleticism, 
his last doubles. <laughs> I reckon he's wrestling. He's got to pull it out of the bag, surely. Yeah. He gets to stand up like that. Yeah. I like Moraes. Yeah, it's fair. The same thing. I haven't actually looked that closely into this match, but like mm. I do think. Yeah, I, I just love Moraes. Moraes's been looking though. good. Yeah. So has Sergio Sergio. has been looking pretty good as well. Like, yeah, so who, like, you know, knocked out TJ Dillashaw. And, like, he, he won against DJ. Like, it was, like, you know, split the shoot, but better than he looked the first time for yeah, DJ. Yeah, like He's no. rapidly improving fighter. Yeah. But I think that can be said for both. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Let me see. I'm going to go with Cejudo. I'm going to go with Cejudo. Like, the same thing. I do like... I like Mar- I really yeah. like Marlon Mar- 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 style. Yeah. Um, but we'll see when they tie up. It yeah. could go either way, but Maybe. I just think... But then again, Henry Cejudo might just run into a head kick. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the, the weird way shit's been going about lower weight classes, like it wouldn't just be surprised to just see like mm. so to just like get clocked by something early. Yeah. But I also do think like an early stoppage probably is like the most the surest path to victory for Marais. Like I don't really see Marais winning five round decision. Nah, probably not. Yeah, yeah if the judo goes for a, a single or a double and, he, and he's a bit sloppy on the time, he could easily get a knee to the face or something. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think intercepting stuff like that. Yeah, intercepting kicks and knees is is probably. Yeah, so like you know, has like if he's been working on his footwork and you know using his feints to kind of get into those doubles and things like that. All right, cool. So let's end that segment. Then we come to the last one for our fitness tips. Be a short one from that one, and then we'll close it off. is the Enter the Double Dragon Podcast. Okay, welcome back. So we're into our combat sports corner of fitness, strength and conditioning, everything that kind of relates back to the helping combat sports in general. Okay, it doesn't matter which combat sports is. I try to make it all encompassing from there. You, you, you want to train different aspects for certain sports, of course. Like, you know, Grappling requires a lot more isometric strengths. Boxing, a lot more dynamic uh, kind of speed work from there. Uh, but something that everyone can benefit from is mobility. And it's like probably, it's the part that people go, mobility, ugh, I don't know if I should do that <laughs> shit. And, then, and you don't. Yeah, touch by the park, you know, the portal. Um, but you should make it a part of your regime. It's like, and like, you know, I know people don't want to do it. It's fucking boring from that one but like it'll benefit later in your career and like it'll just keep in the game longer as well yeah so like when we talk about mobility it's like so probably a lot of people think about like you know just stretching so you know just everyone has a stretch standard hamstring stretch shoulder stretch from there that's a good part of it but you also got to look at the joints themselves in terms of being movable and the main thing like a lot of joints from there so if you look at like if the hips don't move too well usually upstream and downstream is going to be affected so if your knees are janky from that one, it might not be just the knees. It might be like how your hips are moving. And it could be from your ankles as well. Same thing, lower back. Lower back hurts. It might be your shoulders are fucked also. Like, you know, because like, you know, when you get dysfunction in the body, you get a lot of cross-sectional patterns happening. So like if your like, you know, left ankle is not moving right, and it's a joint that's pretty movable from there, your right knee might be uh, messing up and then a cross-section to your left hip and it just kind of builds up into your body from there. Right. So... Like when I work with like a lot of people in terms of like just in the mobility stuff. So you think about like if you start down from the ankles and then you kind of build up in the body parts, you get a lot of sections where there's a, a movable joint to like a joint that only moves in one plane. So the ankles, pretty movable. You can make circles with your ankles. You know, your knees 
Um, they only move really. They only should move in one plane. They shouldn't move side to side too much. But they should be just going right, in a hinge. Then you go up to your hips, the ball and socket joint. Should be able to do very like circular motion. Not all of us can, but like you should be able to. Then you build into like you know into the lower back and things like that, uh, which are a little bit more. They're stabilized in joints. Then you got the shoulder, same thing, ball and socket joints, they should move from there. So like it should go like that. But if you find this function, so if like if you injure your ankle and it takes on a stiff um, like a stiff a stiffness to it, it's like it doesn't move, like you roll it. Yeah. Okay. So your body will compensate. So your knee joint will actually become looser. Because like it'll compensate goes, okay, this is stiff, <coughs> so this is gonna move, or shit's gonna really fuck up. But then really it's like it just kinda like has that straw in the camel's back kind of situation. So like, you know, every step you take from there on that dysfunctional joint, it's just to one day it just kinda like gives in from that. So we wanna keep mobility good part of the program. Um, like I said, this is like it's hard for me to talk through it too much because like it's very visual. But <clears throat> the best thing like I can like get you to do is it's like just point you in a way in a couple youtube videos so i want i use heaps for like everyone especially this is like for hips and like like fighters and that have shit hips (laughs) from that one like you know dysfunctional hips like you know to control the movement from there uh if you do a lot of running as well you'll probably find your hips are really stiff okay because like basically running is just like same thing just in the straight plane from there but like the hip joint itself like you know think about if we're throwing like you know uh, like you know roundhouse kick you know um it has to come to the side if we're like you know jujitsu from there playing guard and that and like you know basically a hip escape or you know you can do butterfly switch and that one that requires a lot of hip motion to do so like a, a good video i find there is um and like a good source of video as well so you can go to mobility ward uh m or like it's like also this m ward made by kelly starrett he has a good series of books as well called uh, Be- Becoming a Supple Leopard. From there. <laughs> that one. And like um, one video in particular I like in that one is called the Super Super Squat Mobility Hip Video. I watched this one a couple of times. Yeah, it's like it's good to do because like he talks you through it, but you just do it while he's doing it as well. So like you're talking to him and you just do it because there's four sequences on each leg and you only have to do it for about 20, 30 seconds. But the, the thing is from there is to put the joint in a position where it's, it's a little bit loaded, like, you know, it's got some muscle tension and you look to, like, because it's basically on the ball and hip joint, okay, a ball and socket joint in the hip. We, we, you want to make it movable. So you've got stretches, that's fine, but the joint itself, that joint in particular needs to be movable. So you've got to make the capsule move better, okay? So it's, it's a, like the soft tissue will actually kind of be more responsive to movement in general. So, like, yeah, that's Kelly Starrett, Mobility Ward. Like, the good thing about YouTube as well is you go to that channel, go to the search bar within the channel itself and go, Shoulders! And they'll come up with a million videos, literally yeah. a million videos of Kelly Starrett going through different shoulders. The one. Um, he's a big uh, component of basically everyone using lacrosse balls now for, like, foam rolling and that kind of stuff. Um, he's also a big proponent of like using band distractions. So if like if I put a band, say if I'm using a shoulder one, I'll put a I'll tie a band up to a rack in a high position, put my hand through the band and let the band distract my joint as I go through different motions from there to just kind of open up the joint capsule, take some pressure. Like you know, sometimes your shoulders can kind of gnarl against each other, like the in terms of the capsule and the head of the humerus itself. So we try and distract that a little bit, promote better movement, less shoulder impingements. I find as well. So. That's a really good like source for that. Um, another one that I like to use, so like uh, you got Joe DeFranco as well. He's a he's one of the top 
uh, head and con- head uh, like your strength condition guys like from the really early ages. Work with a lot of NFL players. Works with a lot of WWE wrestlers now. Um, he trains Triple H and Stephanie McMahon personally from there. And he's got a he's, he's same thing. Like he he stopped his foot. He had, he had a promising football career until he fucking like you know basically herniated so many discs in his neck neck and that. And then then he switched his focus to strength and conditioning. Um, and he's got a thing called the Agile. I think it's the Agile 8. It might be even up to the Agile 11 now video, which goes for like a whole body like warm-up, which is like, you know, something I should I tell people as well. Like we spend like about 10, 15 minutes warming up. So, you know, we foam roll a lot of parts of the body from there. Um, and we also do a lot of like <clears throat> just activation exercises for the upper back, the hips in particular from that one. So like once you mobilize something, you want to activate it for like get some blood flow going through. And usually like, you know, certain kind of band walks and band drills like that are really good for that. So that's another good resource. So you've got Joe DeFranco from there, from New Jersey. Um, and then the last one as well, like I've probably talked about him before, is Phil DeRue, who's also a head strength and conditioning coach of um, American Top Team. He, he's a, he's big into a lot of like, um, it's called cars. So it's like a, uh, circular uh, joint articulations from there. So like, as we like got the joint mobile from there, we've got to um, think about muscular control. So like you can mobilize it, but to take the dysfunction out, you've got to make sure it moves properly for a whole range of motion from there. So like he's got a lot of videos where like basically he does like hip and shoulders, which I do recommend. Look under cars, C-A-R, okay, S, in his video section there. And it's like, I can't, I can't talk it through. It's just like, you have to see it really. It's like from there. I've done, done it with the fighters before and like it's, it's fucking hard. Yeah. It's like, because like basically think about moving your your, uh, your your leg for a whole range of motion of joint, but keeping tension. So like you should feel like, you know, if you're doing it properly, you should be shaking and sweating. And it's like, like almost like isometric work or just slow eccentric work. Yeah, fuck <laughs> No one likes it, but it works. <laughs> it keeps everyone healthy. All right. So that, that like, that was a very short segment on like, you know, on the fitness section tonight, mobility, but... Check out the YouTube pages of Mobility Ward by Kelly Starrett. Check out Joe DeFranco's page on um, on YouTube. And also he has a really good Instagram page as well. And uh, like all these guys have good Instagrams as well. There's, like there's gold in social media instead of just fucking memes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can like, you know, you can actually learn stuff. I like memes as well. And um, also Phil DeRue of, of Drew Strong. Okay, cool. And that should do it tonight. So thanks for listening to us. So um, we do have a Facebook page of our own open now from there. Yes. Like, um, and we also do a lot of our blog posts in there. So like the, the blog post is doubledragonpodcast.home.blog. Double, yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm still figuring out when I get the proper domain when I want it to be. Nah, that's fine. Anyway, like we'll put it in the show notes. There's a link anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Find a link. Uh, follow us on like, yeah, the Facebook page and uh, at Enter the Double Dragon from there that's also on Instagram same handle at enter the double dragon um, also follow us on Twitter uh, at double underscore enter and you can find us on all platforms for podcasts especially iTunes Spotify Stitcher and Google Play okay and that's it Good night. thanks there you go